time to walk without rhythm. In honor of Dune's spice is the melange. What's science fiction cinema's greatest MacGuffin object? I'm Matt Patches, and I, I guess as far as the MacGuffins in science fiction are concerned, I'm going to have to go with the Barbasol can full of DNA from Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, and I'm Dave with the Seven, and I'm going with the Flux Capacitor from Back to the Future because he fell off a toilet and solved time travel. No need to explain it beyond that. Oh, and it's just me and Patches. Show's canceled. Ah! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's it's a podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fighting in the War Room. It's Fighting in the War Room 370, Pandemic 83, for the week of Wednesday, October 20th. And on that day in 1955, Harry Belafonte, noted socialist, recorded Deo. Daylight coming, wanna Deo. go home. So, Patches, how did it end up just being you and me on this uh, podcast? How did it end up being just you and me it's funny i think david is on vacation and yet i saw him today at a movie screening so hmm makes you think and then katie this was katie's episode to like program we were going to talk about the babysitters club and i hope Mm -hmm. we still do because i watched all the babysitters club and i'm excited to talk about the babysitters club season two now on netflix but i guess everyone has an extra week to watch the babysitters club season two now on netflix because katie's not here she had to do there's a film festival in durham I guess and she's talking to a. I was gonna say Elizabeth Warren. That's wrong. Diane Warren. <laughs> Either seems likely for an Oscar nomination. Diane Warren probably more likely. But uh, yeah, we're alone. It's just us, two guys. Yeah, on the podcast. Two guys making up their own schedule. So instead of you know doing Babysitters Club, we've got some much more uh, patches and I themed subjects for you. Plus. A clarification on last week's outro, which was fun for all of us to live through. But first, we actually have reviews, so I don't have to talk about Galaxy of Heroes. Although there are Galaxy of Heroes things to talk about. We got one, but it's enthusiastic. This is five stars. The title of the review is They Were Robbed, and this is from MD in TX. Uh, Well, the little gold men did not come for Fitwer, and that is a shame. When the iHeartRadio podcast nominees were announced this past week, and my dear David, Dave, Katie, and yes, even Patches were not nominated for anything, I was well and truly bummed. These awards, what are they called? The potties? That sounds like porta potties. Uh, was that the end? And that, yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all there is to it. I I didn't even realize there were iHeartRadio podcast awards. Wait, did Little Gold Men? Little Gold Men didn't get nominated. The point no, was that I the Little like Gold Men of, get... the, of the awards showed. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 potties the, the, the potties have overlooked us once again. We've been flushed. Or not. Um, yeah, that's sad. I don't think we've ever been nominated for anything. Yeah, Podcast I mean, there wise. was... There, were, uh, there are a Colorado-based podcast awards. Really? Um, that you could submit things to. And the idea, the only uh, restraint is that they have to be partially recorded or produced in Colorado. So I guess I could submit fighting in the war room for that, but it also feels like, 
I, I mean, I don't want to. We're we're doing pretty good we for ourselves. And yeah, we don't talk a lot about local uh, screen offerings, so maybe. maybe yeah, maybe yeah. Well, I mean, we have that. recently, thanks to our reviewers, recommending some stuff That's at the true. Denver Film Festival and whatnot. But yeah, considering other podcasts are like you know minority experience in Denver, <laughs> maybe we're taking up just as much space as we need to in this particular fair. Uh, realm. When you put it that way, fair, fair. <laughs> But if you guys want to read us, leave us reviews, you can uh, on the Apple uh, Podcasts app. That is the ones that we read. We read them a lot on the show. Usually uh, David does it, but some David will pick up your reviews also, if you leave it there. I have noted that there are some uh, international reviews that people have flagged for us that we need to go hunt down. People, I see you. We did not retrieve them for this episode, but I vow to find out how to see those reviews it, it, previously it was such a challenge to do so but um i i regard you i see your messages and we will we will read those reviews when i can dig them up yeah we'll leave them for a week it'll save us from galaxy of heroes it'll be great. yes you'll thank us a november surprise <laughs> october surprise is that november surprise october surprise october surprise no it'll be an october <laughs> surprise it's been so many years since an election, we forget when the surprises are. Oy. All right, for our first segment tonight, because it's just Dave and I, we're going to get nerdy in here. We're going to talk about the DC Fandom event from this past weekend. If you went out and lived your life this past weekend, you did not uh, sit in a room in front of a monitor and watch four hours of nonstop corporate hype for DC product. Um, But if you do not have a life, then maybe you did. Or maybe there you're like Dave, who probably wisely did stuff with his life and then read about things that happened at Fandom. Or what, what, I watched the first like 20 to 30 minutes of Fandom, okay. and I was like, okay, just to see if it was, you know, the Fandom we've come into love. you were getting hype is, or not. Yeah, yeah, the green screen literal Fandom. That, not as uh, much of that, it felt Not like. as much this year. A little more still around. Call. It was good to see it. And then I just had places like polyanon.com or YouTube uh, feeds uh, like, you know, IGN, where I could just load and see the thing. I didn't have to hear all the hype. I just wanted to see the thing. It was a pretty lean show compared to last year's fandom was was fascinating uh, because there was a lot on deck. And because of the virtual setting and because they really blew it out unlike San Diego Comic-Con or even New York Comic-Con, virtual at home versions of those conventions. Like, it was a show. It felt really engaging. Um, and the one thing, and DC did this again this year, is really incorporate kind of fan elements. There's fan art. There's, like, little fan competitions that they run throughout the show. There's It's not totally wall-to-wall look at this CW show, look at this DC movie, look at this animated thing, now on to the next. There's a lot of that, but there is a concentrated effort to, like, see the fans and recognize fans and and understand what they like about all this stuff. And a little of that goes a long way. You do wonder, like, who are the people showing up and doing cosplay at home of, you know, X, Y, and Z heroes and stuff? Okay. I mean, there are people who are dedicated. That's who. It's like, it is positive. So 
I can't imagine, and there is no Marvel version of this. Like, I'm not saying that DC is noble or DC is more human. Uh, it's still a gigantic corporate en- enterprise run by Warner Media or what once was that. Um, now Dis- Warner Discovery or whatever the fuck they're called now. <laughs> but uh, beneath all of those layers and conglomerate bullshit, there there are some people working that like understand that the fans do belong under the dome whereas i just i can't even imagine marvel doing this they're so secretive and it's all about hall h and like parading around talent and then getting out of there um we i it would be weird and maybe and dc uh, marvel is not as intricate either which it sounds silly because that's their whole thing right like overlapping movies and uh disney plus shows but DC just has so many different types of things going on in a way that Marvel doesn't. It's really, if my if I had a big takeaway from the DC fandom this year, it's like Marvel is really becoming one note in a way that people have complained about for a while. But maybe the fatigue, maybe my fatigue is real in that it's like it all seems to be the same kind of flavor. Um, even if they put different toppings on it, it's always vanilla ice cream with Marvel. And DC at least has like, Weird ass movies. The Batman doesn't look anything like the kind of DCEU extension of the Snyderverse. And none of that looks like the Harley Quinn animated series that's on HBO Max. And none of that looks like Naomi, the new CW show, or any of the CW. I mean, the fact, the, the idea that there is a Superman and Lois television show on CW that's about Superman taking care of his two teenage kids is just like bizarre it's it's so different than everything else that's happening in dc property adaptation world um marvel not that way i mean if you watch a disney plus show it's gonna feel exactly like a marvel movie on purpose but that consolidation of the of the brands it's not like marvel and we saw what if marvel has animation now but like it's still the same it's still part of the bigger entity and i'm i don't know is that wearing people thin could it ever possibly wear you thin dave how do you feel about DC, what they're doing with everything they have going on, what what you got from the fandom, what were your takeaways? I mean, I like DC, but it is the exact same shotgun approach that DC had before Marvel created a cinematic universe, which is a fine way to make movies. Like, not everybody has to be a Marvel Studios. You're right in pointing out that Warner Brothers <clears throat> and Discovery are a gigantic conglomerate that owns DC. It's not Marvel Studios, which is owned by Disney, a gigantic conglomerate, but is given the direction to operate on its own. So even if there is a Mar, if there's a Marvel Studios Disney Plus show, it's going to have, as you mentioned, the uh, the branding that makes it of a piece. Because what they're thinking is that each one of these Marvel properties is a sequel. You're going to go see Eternals, even if you don't know what the fuck Eternals are, because blah blah blah. DC doesn't really have to do that. And when it stumbles across something that's good for its characters, I think that makes DC really pop out. I'm much more likely to see endless iterations of Batman, animated Harley Quinn, television slash movie Flash um, than I am to, say, roll the dice on, like, Blue Beetle and say it's going to be good. Whereas if Marvel whips a weird, obscure character out of its, like, deep IP property bank... Uh, Eternals, what they business say. Yeah, what they banked on, or Guardians of the Galaxy before that. Yeah. What they banked on is they're going to be able to bring you into their world because you're comfortable with the world. DC doesn't have that. And I think it could be positives and negatives. Like, 
I didn't particularly like the Joker, but Marvel's never going to do a movie like Joker, and Joker did really well. So, you know, good for them. I'm not (coughs) hating on these properties I love uh, getting a swing. But I am very, very happy that DC has decided to let its properties not have to intersect with each other. Um, I'm very excited, uh, not only about the continuation of some weirder things like Doom Patrol, uh, that is magic going on or the animated Harley Quinn, like we, we talked about, but that they're able to take things like, uh, Aquaman or Ezra Miller's Flash or Ben Affleck's Batman and repurpose them into this new, slightly more exciting DC universe. Uh, I'm a little sad. Uh, Batman's still sad, like a sad boy. Let's talk uh, about the Batman. Let's let's go through yeah. a few of the bigger things that were uh, revealed at DC Fandom that people can look forward to. Hype, 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 that, that is sounds correct. out of control. Um, and yet, maybe it's the aggressive push they need to kind of combat Marvel Marvelness, which all just got pushed as of recording all of the movies that were like starting in the spring with Doctor Strange 2. That's now a summer movie, and they're restructuring a bit, which is curious. Um, I don't know yeah, if they're like, slid, like everything out. back about five months. I don't know if like inter- Eternals will underperform or like what the what the worry there is, but maybe they just need more room to get things done or hype it up. I don't know, or maybe they're maybe maybe they got out of the way of the Batman. Uh, you know, um, that that movie comes in March and really kicks things off. But I can't, you know, what talent behind the this movie? Matt Reeves. I really like all of those Apes movies. Love the pallbearer. Um, Robert Pattinson, actually great actor. Cronenberg loves the man, um, and he's a weirdo. He's actually pretty good in Tenet, too. I'll admit that, even though I don't like that movie very much. Um, I cannot really get hype for this movie for some reason. I, I, I think I'm wearing out on Batman 2, or just, like, it's so polished. It looks so cool. The stunts look great. It almost has, like, this black-and-white effect, and then either fire explodes or the sun comes up, and it's all drenched in, in red. Uh, there's a lot of just, like, visual uh interestingness going on there and yet i'm just like that this is not as new as they think it is they spent a lot of time at dc fandom talking about you know we finally wanted to take like a grounded approach to batman and really kind of do what batman year one that frank miller comic did and i'm like what do you mean you finally did like this is what batman begins was also scratching at i don't understand like can it get more gritty can it get more grounded? I guess it could, but is it going to be fun? Yeah, no, we're doing a David Fincher Batman is what this looks like. Do we which, want you know, a David Fincher? I need like eight showers. I just want to have a good time, I think. I need That's fun. what I was like, alluding to where it seems disappointing that Batman's still sad because there yeah. are angles to this character. There's stories to tell about this character that I think would be a lot more successful, but it doesn't seem like anybody's really into that. Uh, which, you know, but maybe he'll solve a crime. I mean, the, Matt Reeves is talking up really wanting to do a detective story. Okay, that sounds fun. I also know that the guy who wrote the screenplay with him, this guy, Matson Tomlin, um, talked to him for his movie Project Power, 
last year, which was uh, interesting, but maybe not super successful. But he is not really a comics person. He is very much a Batman the Animated Series person, um, which for some of us is encouraging. Like, that is a good flavor. The movie doesn't really look like that, except for the fact that it has, like, three villains and a whole world that's kind of blowing up in Batman's face. So I'm not sure where it all kind of comes into play, but... I'm into it, but then there's a shot where Batman spray-painted his notes on the floor, including, like, the sins of my parents? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'm just like, I, I can't picture Batman taking the time to spray-paint his notes. That doesn't seem like the world's greatest detective to me. Like, get a whiteboard. Batman. Yeah, or, a, or like a computer or, yeah, something. A notes app. app? There are some really cool things. I like just firing machine guns into the Batman. Do you like the Riddler like painting latte art? With nope, don't like that. Oh. I like the Riddler from the first trailer that we don't get to really see in this second trailer, but because this one, I guess he's like a more Hannibal Lecter presence. But I like mass crazy Zodiac Riddler. That seems fine to me, too. Uh, but, yeah, the it seems like they're slamming uh, like uh spiral together with spiral from the book of saw <laughs> together with a batman movie where it's just like instead of uh chris rock main character it's just batman and so batman's gonna discover some things about his past while solving this crime with some crazy kills and i'm like uh okay long halloween uh, yeah, i think there's i think there's another way and it doesn't have to be like corny marvel goofy batman i think there's like I think there's a Superman version of Batman where it's like majestic or like rising up and being yeah. like, I don't know, being free of the baggage of, of sadness. Uh, or you could do No Man's Land, which is just Gotham gets so crime filled, they blow all the bridges to Gotham and then it's Batman versus party everybody. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Go, I mean, we'll, that we'll talk like about the, the, that's like the Halloween kills version of this, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah, oh, yes. I mean, and that's also what Dark Knight Rises kind of tried to do, but again, didn't I don't think necessarily went goofy enough, but yeah. feigned in the goofy direction with things like, you know, Tom Hardy's Bane and whatnot. Batman could use a little bit of goofy because the reality is he's a fucking billionaire who thinks the best way to help people is to dress up and beat people up. It's, you know, it's a thing. What, uh, what, what out of fandom that wasn't gigantic Batman movie, which definitely had the most attention, got the kind of final slot of the night. But there were a lot of things peppered in. Was is there anything that's standing out to you in the DC? Uh, I really like the Flash tease for Flashpoint, just for how kind of batshit it is. Where it's like, Bat here's some more Batman. Shit. Yep, yeah. and here's a here's more a Ezra Miller in a painted Batman suit, and like, look at look at it. Two Ezra Millers. Two Ezra Millers. If you thought this movie was already problematic because of Ezra Miller, you get two Ezra Millers. You get at least two Ezra Millers. And then, uh, yeah, the Black Adam footage looks like it actually could be fun. Like, if it's just uh, Dwayne Johnson kills Pierce Brosnan, like, I'm into it. I'll watch that movie. How, he's not going to kill Pierce Brosnan. Why isn't he, he going to kill Pierce Brosnan? Because Pierce Brosnan is Dr. Fate. He's super-powered. He's not going to kill Pierce Brosnan. He, all he does in the trailer is kill some, like, mercenary types. Right, but actually. This this clip his... from Di from Black Adam is very like Alien versus Predator. It was reminding me of going into the pyramid with machine guns, and um, that could be good if this has a Paul W W S Anderson vibe. Um, I'm into it. Yeah, what it seems to be is they uncover Black Adam. He comes up against the Justice Society of America, and Black Adam kills them all. Wow, that would be 
radical. I mean, The Rock has been, he, he showed up to the last year's fandom and been like, wait until you see this. And it's the same this year. Wait until you see this. And uh, he, he promises that it's going to shake up the hierarchy of the DC universe. Okay, he talks a big game. He has to get a lot of Instagram posts out of this, but uh, I just don't see Pierce Brosnan locking it's into a, a Doctor Fate franchise. So I, I see them like <laughs> fucking frying him, and that gold helmet falls to the ground. Show well, me that. I, my understanding is that they want to do like the Black Adam sequel would be Justice Society of America. So you introduce uh. people so that they could do a bigger like Justice League movie without any of the Justice League people eventually, because he can't just do Justice Society. That would be. You're not going to sell those tickets, but maybe if it's Black Adam and the Justice Society, you can do that. I don't know. I mean, what's interesting about Fandom, I thought it was a bit more subdued this year. Last year, they had Suicide Squad coming and kind of in the can. They could show a lot. And the Batman, that teaser, it felt really early. It felt like an actual Comic-Con Hall H moment where we got to see that stuff. And there was more like production or concept art from Black Adam and Aquaman and and... And the Flash is where we saw like Flash and Michael Keaton's Batman teaming up in a piece of concept art, and that was cool. There was nothing, even with the trailers and stuff, it's like, okay, you can only show me the backs of different people and like maybe three or four setups that you've processed and are in the can enough to show. Um, it really felt like maybe there wasn't a lot going on in the DC universe. Like these are the same projects we saw last year, just more completed. But what's next? Like, I don't think they even know because they don't know if any of this stuff works. And the only movie, like, they have Shazam 2 with Helen Mirren, uh, who looked extraordinary. She's waving her hands around like a sorceress. Um, Mm -hmm. She's actually a goddess. I I correct myself there. Um, But that's in 2023. And then there's really nothing else. And I find that kind of fascinating because then you have Marvel, who's like, here's 18 movies going into 2025 or whatnot. Um, and DC, as much as they could show, which was a lot at Fandom, it felt like they don't know what's next. But I don't, I don't know if I have a handle on that. Or maybe you have more of an idea of like what this is. I, I feel like Suicide Squad was not good um, in terms of oh, I think the performance I think we're done with like I think we're done with Harley Quinn led movies. They've given her what three at bats now, and all yeah. of them have financially failed. Literally. So she has a. Bat. I, I think. They're pivoting out of that. Yeah, they're pivoting out of that. Uh, I think we're going to see a soft period in 2023 of uh, direct to HBO superhero projects from DC, just because that seems like a. I'll be curious easier... what those look like. Do you think they'll look yeah. like CW shows? Do you think they'll look like big polished movies? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's benefits if it decides to go either way. If they want to do the mid-level superhero movie without having to tentpole it up. I would love to see that. And if they want to do our CW shows can support movie long specials like TV movies, but for streaming, Hmm. I'd be into that. But I do like that. I do like that. We don't know what's happening after 2022, because that means there's, they're going to be reactive, which means you're, they're not going to go into like a Marvel direction or an aping Marvel direction. Like if there's, you know, the Batman's good, they're going to sign patents in for another one. Yeah. You know, we still got a, joker sequel coming out maybe that has the batman in it like we don't we don't know so uh and then i would love if aquaman is gonna continue to be crazy for there to be an aquaman 3 and just let him get that trilogy i can Uh, only imagine based on malignant that james wan is not getting less crazy so that is yeah exactly 
so yeah, that was I'm that into- was kind of fandom. That was that's what we got. I don't know. Is there anything weird and surprising out of out of fandom? Hmm. Not really. Not weird and surprising. No. The biggest thing I'll I'll, I'll total transparency here. Uh, the biggest biggest news for us out of fandom at Polygon was actually this Lucifer or that uh, Sandman show and oh yeah with Gwendolyn Christie Christy playing uh, Lucifer. Um, I don't know what to make of this show uh trying to adapt sandman in any reasonable way i think everything there's no way to capture the visuals the trailer the trailer like normal tv the trailer covering like the setup for the first issue really encouraged me and then gwendolyn christie uh as lucifer also encourages me because i there is a way to do it episodic and but it's episodic and expensive because you're not like reusing a ton of sets or anything and that's Netflix is kind of the only people who are going to be able to throw that much money at it. So so far so good, says I. But I've I've only seen what you've seen. Well, that was DC fandom, and don't worry, everybody, Oscar season is is upon us. So we'll be talking about <laughs> the opposite of this uh, for many weeks to come. Yeah, not yet though. No. So, Matt Patches, last week we attempted to do some math live on podcast. <laughs> I don't know about... if we got many reactions about this, but we're confronting what happened. Yeah, why not? It's, it's, it's worth having like a mini segment here. We thought that for some reason this was uh, Fighting in the War Room's like 10th anniversary. Well, I guess not the show name, but uh, us podcasting, no. it was our 10th anniversary. Uh, and then we went back and we looked through a whole bunch of the movies that were actually being talked about in that early Kino Katie Operation Kino period. And they were all 2011 movies, and that meant that uh, we definitely started in 2010, not 2011. So, <laughs> well, this is uh, this could be like the 10th anniversary year. This could be like the 10th anniversary year that has just come to a close. The same way I'm right. doing uh, a whole year of Lord of the Rings stories at Polygon. That's a good year. point. We could extend through December. This was the 10th anniversary year. Year yeah, 11 I mean, was uh, the 10th anniversary year. I like that. This has been a great run and, um, you know, great way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do that again. Or this oh, episode shit. No, I'm sorry. We're not. This episode not won't air. They'll pull it down. Everyone will be like, <laughs> what did you think about Halloween Kills? The We're real like, great oh, anniversary is whenever again. we, the anniversary of that prank and me getting just a, an obscene amount of text messages from Katie being like, why am I hearing that the podcast has ended? <laughs> why, um, why have you canceled the podcast? They didn't like that. What's the, uh, what's the best thing that's happened in the last 10 years, Dave, of doing this podcast? Um, I have really good memories that you aren't there for, but uh, coming back from your wedding <laughs> being really fucking hungover. And mm. trying to record an episode of the podcast on the train about your wedding. Trying to. I and, think you did. Oh, I mean, we did. I just remember it as having to focus to try because I was that hungover. And then someone got on Instagram and was like, Patches is running in the ocean right now. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I could not be doing that right now. I needed that. That was the the ice bath that I required after that event. Um, uh, yeah. We're going to San Diego Comic Con that one time, which I don't think we actually did for the podcast, but we 
discovered memories of trying to root back for old pictures. But there was a, I'm going to say like 2010, 2011, we all ended up at Comic-Con because Cinema Blend uh, hired me to take pictures of cosplay and you guys were wow. out there covering it. So I think we had a, a dinner and then uh, wine in a hotel room, but then otherwise had to Comic-Con. Uh, but that was fun. I like being in the same place as you guys. I miss I that know, more it as it, it happened less. It doesn't happen as much anymore. We were talking a little about, we did a live show once upon a time, ages, ages ago. At the uh, Hell's Kitchen Film Festival. That's correct. At a little venue. Some people came, some very dedicated people who we very much have appreciated over the years came. And um, it was was fun. We've never really done anything like that again. Mostly because we've never been invited to go anywhere and do this podcast live. Uh, Also, I feel like if we tried to, no one would show up. I don't know. What do I know about this audience that listens? To that, this that, that's the real thing is like we haven't done it because we're like, who's going to like book the spot slash we don't have confidence in ourselves. But if someone like wanted us to come and do something, we could do something pretty good. But yeah, I have, I have no idea. I bet if someone gave me a million dollars, I bet I could do something fun with it. God, I mean, that's just like that goes for everything. Don't waste that on the podcast. Wow. Go make a movie or something. Million dollar I, movie. I, yeah, I could make a movie for a million dollars. Dave, do you think in the last ten years that your um your viewing habits have changed? Have you changed as a man? Yeah, you have a different like uh, facial hairstyle. You haven't always. Had I mean, that, that's uh, that's yeah. Uh, my ability to grow it has definitely uh, allowed me to grow a specific type of facial hair. I don't think it's changed that much. I might have if I wasn't doing this podcast, gone completely genre and wacky. But I feel like um, every year at the end of the year, I got to go up against your guys' top tens, or if not go up against, at least be semi-conversant in like half of them. So I try to you know, do a big grab at the end of the year for prestige films, uh, sort of to substitute having a critic circle or something. And I definitely think that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have done the podcast. I would have been just fucking lazy. I might have become like a criterion collector or something instead Whoa. of like having to deal with new, just be like really into the old. It wouldn't never, be bad. You know, I've never been a own. collector of things. Even I, I, got, I just got the list of criterion collection titles. I guess it's for January or something. I don't know. Whatever the next wave they announced. And they have um, one of my favorite movies that i'm now totally forgetting the name of the celebration um by thomas vinterberg and i'm like i would buy that and then i cannot buy that i just like my brain doesn't work that i cannot own anything i don't have the will to buy anything it scares me to spend money i'm like why would i own this even though i love the movie i just cannot bring myself to to own something like that is that yep is that that's a problem weird. that is weird i mean that is it's weird because you're you we have like an appa anti-capitalist tendency which kind of baked into you which i want to applaud but then also given the state of streaming versus physical media you're actually falling into the trap of not being able to see things you want to see when you want to see them well it's not that because i probably would buy it and not watch it because i don't really watch old i don't go back to movies i like well, Very I see often. that's that's sort of like I don't have comfort what doing. I, 
that's sort of like what I was saying with fighting in the war room. If there weren't new things to watch, I might become that. I might revert to like older collector things. But yeah, there's a lot of new things to watch. I don't think you have to rewatch anything if you process things. We're about to talk about Halloween Kills. Am I ever going to watch Halloween Kills again? I'm prob- probably not. Definitely not. No. But but uh, you know, that doesn't mean that I didn't give it its fair shake in court. But yeah, I don't know. The podcast definitely keeps me more diverse. And several times when I'm watching things, I'm like, how am I going to talk to the the fighting in the war room crew about this? Uh, Which, I guess, even though no transitions, will uh, lead us to Halloween Kills right after this. Wait, I had one more question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Over the last 10 years, do you feel like it's been a a boon for Mountain Dew to expand into other flavors? Or is it actually... Uh, hurt the brand and hurt the core flavor of Mountain Dew? Uh, I don't think you could hurt the core flavor. Baja Blast is the best type, but I do think they've gone too far with this watermelon. You like Baja Blast? Yes. Is that your go-to flavor? When I see you sipping on a Mountain Dew during this podcast, are you drinking Mm -hmm. Baja Blast, not OG? Yeah, no. The Baja Blast is basically the only reason me, a person in the late 30s with a very specific digestive tract, still goes to Taco Bell. It just feels so sugary. It's not, it's uh, not overload for you? Is it more, isn't it more sugary than regular Mountain Dew? I mean, maybe, but it's something about maybe the flavor berry, the berry flavor that tweaks it off. Well, I was I say, have what what does it like, taste like? I, don't need, I, can't, I couldn't even place it. Like, it's a berry flavor? Blue. Yeah, like blue-green. It tastes blue-green. Blue but there's something like live Algae. live wire, which is the orange one, or mm. they're like ice. Are you a code one, red person? Is... No, see, those are too sweet for me. Mm. I got to do original or Baja Blast. The other ones tweak off it, and the newest watermelon one doesn't even have enough flavor to really cover up like that chalky caffeine taste. So definitely out on that. Mountain Dew, though, Baja Blast, the best thing that ever happened to it. Wow, now that is a take. Oh, Katie Rich, Matt Patches, Dave Erlich, and Dave Gonzalez. I wanted to thank you for playing one of my songs on your podcast show. Operation Kino is the Patches, name of your show. you produce a podcast called Galaxy Brains. Oh, yeah. That's it true. has a very special structure. It's a leveled structure. What's the first level of that structure? Oh, this is a real test. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, it's the uh, logic brain. The logic brain. Here we go. Logic brain, Halloween kills. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dave Gonzalez. I watched David Gordon Green's sequel, Halloween Kills. It is a bad movie. It attempts to go for schlock, doesn't go far enough, mixes it in with some actual sentiment, which David Gordon Green is good at, which is the worst call for what he's trying to say with this Halloween Kills movie. What do you what, what's your logic brain say about Halloween Kills? I mean, logic brain says Michael Myers is back. He emerges from the fire that he was trapped in in the end of the 2018 movie and goes on a rampage. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? There's not a lot to the movie. It has some flashbacks which I was surprised by because it just doesn't seem really necessary. I don't know I mean, maybe we'll get into this. There are some flashbacks where it's like, remember this happened? And I feel like I didn't need them. And then there's some flashbacks that add a little bit of character to the police officer. And again, I feel like I don't need them. So I think I'm I'm with you. 
Yeah, but mostly as I, I I spoke to David Gordon Green a little about this movie, and I made him laugh, and then I'll pat myself on the back because he hadn't heard of this one, but I'm surprised he didn't, which is, it's like Fury Road. It's like Mad Max Fury Road, where it's just like, remember how Road Warrior was like an actual plot and a setup, and there were characters, and there were saving people, and then Fury Road's just like, what if what if one big car chase? Um, and for me, it was like watching Michael Myers just be in Fury Road, just destroying people like a plot. I mean, I think I think that's act. Those are actually the parts that worked for me. Yeah, it's just everybody realizing what's going on that didn't work for me because really quickly. Well, the now we're transitioning to in. the critical brain and to put oh, it in galaxy oh, oh, brain. Oh. Uh, okay, so here. I mean, the I have a different take for critical brain, yes. but we could transcend to critical brain here. Critical brain is this makes me feel a lot like things I had to say about James Bond which is like there are sequences that I think play exactly like they're supposed to, but overall... Which ones? Um, For example. Massacring the firefighters is hilarious, just like Fantastic. right at the beginning. He comes Great out. shots, like silhouettes of, shots. of impaling firefighters enough. It disturbed people enough that there are petitions to remove it from the movie because that's anti-firefighter and anti-police or whatever. Great. That's perfect. There's a POV shots of a dude getting stabbed in the face in a firefighter mask, and then we return to his dead POV to watch another firefighter get killed. I think that's uh, really great, um, even though it's uh, morally questionable. Uh, I think uh, Michael Myers' first assault on uh, the couple, the interracial couple, the woman's flying the drone, yeah. and the man gets Wait, stabbed in the back. Wait, why is that morally questionable? More so than anything else in the movie. Uh, Killing an interracial couple? Uh, because there's a certain degree... Michael Myers in the original Halloween, the shape Michael Myers, was like a stalker that was capable of killing you. And he's going to stab you, he's going to snap your neck, He's going to make it quick. There's a couple times this Michael Myers is much more akin to like a Rob Zombie take on Michael Myers, where it's like he's playing with dead people, inserting the halogen tube into that poor woman's neck just to sort of see what happens. And then what she do- he does to the dead guy's corpse seems like there's nothing in this movie slash the last movie or the first Halloween that would establish that hmm. he's like that level of crazy. It's not animalistic enough. It's 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 getting yeah, too creative. It's starting to be like he's thinking about something yeah, and okay. the point of the movie is sort of like he's not thinking about something. Which isn't to say that it's a great sequence. I just think it's things like that balancing this movie where David Gordon Green gets a little bit irresponsible with the types of horror. Hmm. Uh, there is, in the middle of this movie, um, a mob mentality theme where evil dies tonight, as they chant, uh, the town of Haddonfield is going to take it into their own hands, and they're going to kill Michael Myers. And, of course, uh, even though this seems like a good idea, because, you know, as fans of the series, I know the police are not good at getting him, and maybe numbers are going to work. So, at first, I'm like, maybe this is going to be an interesting whatnot. Within the first, like, 30 seconds of the mob, forming they immediately target the wrong mental patient and that plot line builds to nothing it builds to this is a bad idea mob mentality is a bad idea I've which heard that. is 
Yeah, which is fine, except it's weird to have in the middle of this movie. Because I feel like the end result of when this mob eventually gets face-to-face with the real Michael Myers could have happened halfway through without the let's debate mob mentality and maybe been more effective. It's like, does this movie want to be serious or does this movie want to be Fury Road? Right. That's, that's I think, the divide that doesn't work for Halloween Kills for me. It's If it was going to be Fury Road, it needs to be even more middle movie of a trilogy than it is now. Uh, because I think now it really ends on an anticlimax because I've seen Michael kill people in cool ways, but I don't think I've learned anything about him, the mythology, or where the series wants I don't me think to they, think it's going. I mean, I don't think we can learn anything about him. I think this is the pitfall of Halloween sequels, and I was—I guess I was surprised that they made it in the first place. Not, I'm not surprised. Of course they did. It was actually planned from before they made the first Halloween 2018 movie. They were going to try and do something no matter what, and then it was a success, huge success, and of course they were going to do a sequel, but like, it's the fool's errand to do another sequel. We can't learn more about Michael. We can't learn more about the shape. That's what the Carpenter movie's all about, just someone who will come into your house and kill you, um, and you'll never know why, and you'll never know who this person is, um, and the more, every time you have to tell a Michael story, you risk telling more Michael story. Um and here this I feel is what like, the other sequels have uh, have learned about yeah Halloween. exactly but and and we're and we're pushing against it it's like bursting almost it's like how much can you do with Michael without telling us anything about him and that's why it feels um like an overstep in the in the Haddonfield citizenry citizenship uh, direction it's overcompensating for the fact that Michael cannot be characterized at all but I think it could. It, they didn't have to go that far. They could have just had like a mob of people taken to the streets and been the movie could have been about less. Um, yes. If, it, if I, I wish there was a way to put Lori in the movie more, I don't know why she had to be removed. Um, I, I mean, I guess the first movie is kind of like this too. Lori is not a huge part of it because we have her daughters. We have Judy Greer and we have this woman, um, and Andy, uh, I can't remember her name. Andy Matichak. What's Allison's name? The character's yeah, name, Allison, I think? Yeah, her granddaughter. Um, I mean, they all have kind of equal screen time in the first movie, too. For some reason, it felt like we got a lot less Lori in in this movie. But Well, know. none of those people have character motion to do in this movie. None of those three people. Right, because it only takes place within like a few hours. Right? Yeah, and, and we saw their entire family after... dynamic. Right. We they have to constantly remind you that, like, uh, Lori's uh, son-in-law was killed just so you, like, you know, remember that they're maybe in trauma, but, like, they don't have time to deal with it because all of a sudden Michael's back. It's, it's, it's very jumbled. I'm, I'm, like, I could see where it came from, but where it ended up seems like two different puzzle pieces forced to fit together and pretend it's, like, something that was one thing. Right. Ready for the galaxy brain patches? Yes, please. <clears throat> Our problem, as it was 40 years ago in the suburbs, is that a single white man with an unending, uh, vengeful, radical attitude can still terrorize an entire, entire town. Doesn't matter how woke you are, how prepared you are, where you think the threat is coming from, and how many times you get a crowd together to chant, to wear pussy hats, and chant not my president, 
he's still gonna come murder all of you. All of you. You you think this movie is a direct confrontation of like Trump era white supremacy? I think it's just white supremacy. What do we know about Michael Myers? He was a white kid that it keeps killing people and then he keeps coming out and he keeps putting on this white mask and when he take off his face, he is a white man with a beard and everything. The shape is white. We, you could picture the shape as like a black shadow. No, the shape is a white man coming I mean, I for suburbia. That, I think that idea was on Carpenter's mind in the 70s, certainly. That the yeah, because fear, that's like serial the, killer era. Yeah. That's like, you know, all, all these sorts of things. It's well, just I, funny I mean, his how whole it thing came back around. Dealing with like what people were actually scared of in the suburbs in the 70s, which was often misplaced when it came to race and, and, and racial concerns and like who's moving in and why we need what we should be scared about in our own homes. Um, and here was something that's like, no, this guy is just some guy. You can't profile him and and in this case he's the big white guy who's rampaging through the streets he's going to kill anybody um and yeah it's it's interesting to have it updated in this way or not i mean i guess it's still the same message and i mean this is why i think the mom mentality stuff is a little successful in this movie where it's like a bunch of bro white guys who thinks who think they can solve it or think they're ahead of the That's curve. the only way I could make all the elements work. And that's, this is the only way I could look at the movie and be like, if I think of it this way, then it's all of a piece. It's well, it's David in response Gordon- to the last movie, right? If the last movie was, the emphasis was on kind of like female empowerment or, you know, this story of trauma against women and can they mm-hmm. rise up and kind of like come back and kill Michael. And yeah. In a way, it then feels th- this successful. This movie's like no. In, the, in this movie, it's yeah because no. Well, one, does anyone believe them by the end of the movie? Even if you feel like the the end of the 2018 movie makes you feel successful, like they have defeated Michael. Maybe like we don't know what's coming next, but they've overcome this. They finally had the battle with Michael, and he's burning up, and they have triumphed. But no one believes them, and no one supports them in the space of that movie and they don't get a lot of it here but they do there are a bunch of white men who think they can save the day because they understand masculinity instead of like supporting other people and the women who've been attacked it's suddenly their battle to take on it's like this misplaced understanding of other people's trauma Uh, yeah i think there's a lot going on in these movies you're right i think it i once that hit on me it was the first time somebody partially removes Michael's mask and you just see the chin and like the little beard and like the white skin. I'm like, oh, oh, he's just he's just like a Second Amendment rights guy under there wow. the whole time. And then, then the movie just was the able beard. to click for it. <laughs> That's what just the it. beard. That's well, well, it's because they made Maybe a huge he, deal. In the- like homebrews. You know, he might be... Uh, Maybe there's lots of very nice bearded beer gentlemen in Denver that probably also don't realize they're feeding into the patriarchy. A group of women <laughs> got together, Me Too-like, and stood up and was like, fuck this shit, we're going to do it ourselves. And they threw him in a burning house, and the state came and rescued him. <laughs> and away he goes, just to terrorize the whole fucking neighborhood. And it doesn't matter if you mob up against him, because he's the white patriarchy. He's in every bush. He's the shape. 
and you can't kill him. He just kills you. I mean, maybe yeah. ha- maybe Halloween ends will uh, solve capitalism for us. I I look forward to that. Uh, I haven't read too much. If David Gordon Green's been going around talking about what this third movie will be, I assume it has to pick up right away. Since all I've heard is it picks up four years later after COVID. What but what is Michael doing? <laughs> I don't know. There's an immediate the, time. The, final, the ending of this movie. I, we won't get too spoilery, I guess, but like. He's standing. He's right there with people. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I mean, I yeah. you know, I'll say this about David Gordon Green. Like this movie is obviously polarizing people. It's not getting great reviews. It did make a tremendous amount of money. Just to yeah, spotlight. It, it, it outperformed the last duel. So one weekend, won. it's on Peacock for free, and yet made fifty million dollars, which is pretty staggering. Um, which probably speaks. Not so well of Peacock being a visible streaming platform that people would know to subscribe to and watch this for free. Um, or people just want to show up and see a great horror movie or a solid horror movie uh, in theaters. It's a raucous time. And it is. I, I, I wish I had seen this with a big crowded theater because uh, it's I gnarly. Think the first it's half really gnarly. Play, yeah, it would play amazingly in it. This theater. movie is sick. I, I, I was shocked at like. They must have come up with 23 different new sounds on how to squish someone's head. Like, the Foley artist should win an Oscar for this movie because it's so disgusting sounding and the way that they simulate the knife going through different body parts and Michael Myers' mayhem is is just truly grotesque. I was really shocked. And I shouldn't have been shocked because it's called Halloween Kills and it's right there in the title. But I'm just like, this is sick. It's sick. And yet, artful. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the uh, high body count slasher movies, I guess I would think about this one, even though I wasn't counting. But like, it's it's hard to do a good massacre movie. And this one isn't that bad. It's just maybe massacre movies don't work. Unless you're like really doing it about something, you know, we're we're so far from like Black Christmas guys. I don't know what to do with the shape anymore, except make him the patriarchy. Apparently, that's how I fixed it for myself. Well, Halloween, Halloween Kills, kills. It's, uh, it's out there to watch. It's creeping in the shadows of your local multiplex, but also it's inside your house on Peacock. <laughs> on Peacock. I got to watch it with my Rod Swanson Parks and Recreation badge. Oh, it was sweet. Nice. Actually, that's what the next Halloween movie should be. It should be like Michael Myers shows up to Pawnee. I can, my, uh, yeah, Michael Myers, or Halloween Kills Pawnee. Imagine if all of the people in the Haddonfield were actually just people from Parks and Rec. I mean, I would feel for them. Definitely <laughs> more so. Yeah. Instead of the poor doctor-nurse couple that gets horribly brutalized in this movie. Uh, but I do, actually, another good thing. One last thing about Halloween Kills on the way out. Uh, good job with subtle Easter eggs to basically all the other Halloween movies. If you are a Halloween fan, you'll have more fun with Halloween kills than somebody you just saw at the last Halloween. Are there, are there ones from like later sequels that stood out to you? I don't know the sequels as well. Um, uh, so there's definitely two, uh, there's definitely three. I think I spotted, uh, uh, reference to the house from, what is that? Curse. 
but uh, not exactly sure. I, I look I look forward to the YouTube coverage of this of <laughs> yeah. this uh, of this show uh, over the next couple of weeks to solve that in. But definitely like razor blade mouth kid prank. Really enjoyed that. Uh, the masks from season of the witch, just making an appearance and not being mentioned. Uh, really enjoyed that as well. Halloween kills kills. All right, that does it. We did it. We made it through another podcast with me and Patches where we talked about a bunch of dorky things. We didn't cancel the podcast this time. Praise be. Give us a medal. Give us a potty for not canceling yeah. the podcast. Top potty. Top potty. That didn't cancel the podcast potty. Uh, until next week where I might be around, but definitely whoever's around on the show is going to be talking Dune and it sounds like Babysitter's mm. Club season two. So things are going to be heating up <laughs> wow. with the, that the combo. The full spectrum. It is a full Things you spectrum. can watch. Okay. Yeah, we'll have do to you talk wanna, about Dune. Do you want to know about accepting uh, childhood diabetes in your um, you know, uh, galas? Or do you want to talk about <laughs> uh, saving the melange and uh, taking over a sand planet? Yes, uh, I really both. liked that scene in season two where Christy made uh stacy and dawn put their hands in the box and talked about how yeah, fear the, was the yeah. mind killer it was a it was a good <laughs> uh pain box babysitters club uh, episode all right until then patches tell us about your things i am matt patches i am uh senior editor at polygon.com on twitter at mr patches as mentioned producing the galaxy brains podcast with jonah ray and dave Schilling. And, uh, yeah, we, if you need lots of other podcasts, uh, we have a website, fightingintheworm.com, where you can go back and listen to old episodes. I bet we did a Halloween 2018 episode. Uh, Ooh. If we had a social media manager, they would be putting those up all the time, just spamming the <laughs> We'd be just constantly back, back episodes. <laughs> but you got me, so instead you're going to get Deo somewhere on this podcast. Deal with the Belafonte. I love it. Uh, Dave Gonzalez, you can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You can find David Ehrlich. On Twitter at David Ehrlich. You find Katie Rich on Twitter at Katie Rich, as well as on the Still Watching podcast, which is covering both American Crime Story Impeachment and Succession, and Little Gold Med podcast, covering more serious movies. But you can also find all of us on Twitter at FITWR, where you could tweet us whatever you want about this week's subjects. But you could also answer this lightning round question in honor of Dune Spice What's science fiction cinema's greatest MacGuffin object? And that's it. We'll see you next week. We promise we didn't cancel the podcast. I'm done.